We have been studying the book of Joshua for a number of weeks now, and uh, this will be our last study, our last message on Joshua. The last time you'll see that little film that we've been using, <laughs> uh, but uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this study. I have immensely. And uh, all good things must come to an end. Have you ever heard that saying? And uh, so we're coming to the end of uh, our study of Joshua. And uh, reading verses 29 through 31. It says, After these things, the Lord's servant Joshua, son of Nun, died at the age of a hundred and ten. They buried him in his allotted territory in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Geisha. Israel worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime, and during the lifetime of the elders who outlived Joshua and who had experienced all the works the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua's, uh, or, sorry, Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem, in the partial of land Jacob had purchased from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. It was an, inher an inheritance from Joseph's descendants. And Eliezer, son of Aaron died, and they buried him at Gibeah, which had been given to his sons, Phinus, in the hill country of Ephraim. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you today for this time together, for the blessings that you've given, for the opportunity to come and worship in spirit and in truth. And Father, we pray today that if there are those that need to make some decisions for you, that something might be said or done to help them understand what you're calling them to do, what you would have in their lives. And we pray that your blessings would be upon each one. Help us to honor you in this time together today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is going to be our main thought today is... Israel remained faithful during Joshua's lifetime. Now, Joshua lived to be 110 years old. You, you saw that from our reading just a moment ago. I'm sure that some people thought, this man's never going to die. <laughs> Remember, all those that were 20 years old and younger were able to come into the land. All those that were older than that had already passed away. Now, if I remember right, the average lifetime of an individual during this period of time, during Joshua's lifetime, was around 60. If they lived a long time, they would live to 70. Here, this man's 110. <laughs> and uh, so... Joshua does die. As we read, he does die. 
Do you remember we saw in our song that we sang a moment ago, like a flower that quickly is fading? All of us are just here temporarily, right? Just a short period of time. Now, you know, we're not going to live forever. Yeah, I know some of you are going to live 110, but you're not going to live forever. <laughs> and uh, so we're looking at the end of Joshua's life here in today's passage. And uh, I think it's fitting that we are thinking about him at the end of his life. And we close the study as he passes away. The Israelites had been greatly influenced by this individual. He was a very powerful leader. And we're going to look at why he was such a powerful leader in just a moment. But he influenced those of his generation to the point they didn't worship false gods and they didn't fall away from God during his lifetime. And even during the lifetime of those that lived on who were leaders after his passing. Now that can't be said for much of the history of Israel. In fact, what we find with the Israelites is that there was a time of following the Lord. There was a time when they sinned against God. God would bring judgment upon them. They would repent. They would turn back to God. God would forgive them. God would remove the cause of whatever it was that caused them to cry out to God. He would restore them again and they would serve Him. But then they would sin and then they would have trouble come. And you know it was just a cycle that went on and on and on. But during Joshua's lifetime, they served the Lord. Now, why did they accept Joshua in that leadership position the way they did? Well, one of the things, he had been Moses' apprentice, had he not? He had. He had followed Moses. He had gone with Moses. But God had called him to be the leader. And part of the reason that the people fell in line and followed him so readily was because of all the great works that God had done during Joshua's lifetime. And there were things that the people couldn't attribute to Joshua. It wasn't what Joshua had done. Think about them coming to the Jordan River. It's at flood stage. No way to get across to the other side, right? Well, maybe you had a big enough boat, but anyway, no way to get across to the other side. And then God just stopped the water. But He didn't just stop the water. What did the priest have to do? 
that were carrying the ark. They had to step into it. And as they stepped into the flooded Jordan River, the river began to recede. And then they'd make another step and the water went down. Now, from my reading of the scriptures there, the priests were the only ones that had to get their feet wet. <laughs> he dried up the Jordan River. It ceased to flow, and they were able to walk across on dry land. Did they attribute that to Joshua doing it? No. You remember when they were at the Red Sea, and God was ready for them to cross the Red Sea? What did Moses do? Put his staff out over it. Now the Israelites might think, oh, Moses did that. I'm sure somebody said, oh, Mosh, uh, John, I mean, <laughs> Moses parted the Red Sea. Well, he didn't do that either, did he? God did it. And hopefully the Israelites understood that it was God doing it and not Moses. But as they came to the Jordan River, Joshua didn't go out there and throw up his hands or hold out a rod or anything. The priest stepped into the water. So anyway, it was the great works that God had done during Joshua's lifetime that the people so readily followed Joshua. They knew that he was the man God had put in charge. So they came to the first city. They didn't build ramparts and scale the walls and go over and fight the enemy, did they? Jericho fell because God caused the walls to come down. And what Joshua did was follow God's instructions. And they went out and marched around the city one time every day for six days. Any general would say, that's not the way to take a city, <laughs> right? And then on the seventh day, they went out and they marched around the city seven times. And they blew the trumpets and they shouted and the walls fell because God did it. And then you remember as they went on into the land and they began to win the battles. God was the one that the people saw doing the things that were done. So the sun stood still for about a day. Did Joshua do that? Well, we could go on and on talking about these things. But the people understood that God was in charge. That God was the one that was doing these things. And they readily followed the leadership of Joshua. Now, most of you probably remember a, a military leader by the name of Andrew Jackson. Oh, I don't mean you were personally acquainted with him, <laughs> but you know of him in history. And he recognized the power and the convictions of good leadership. He said this. One man with courage 
makes a majority. Well, in today's reading, we would probably amend that to say one man with courage with God is a majority. I want to put God in that mix, don't you? In Joshua 24, 31, it says, Israel worshipped Jehovah throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. Isn't that wonderful? He had that much influence. Joshua's life as a leader in Israel was a leadership of following the Lord. We'll look more at that in just a little bit as we think about his 110 years and what all he did during that 110 years. But like Caleb... When Joshua, you remember last week we talked about Caleb and his life. And when Caleb was born, they were in bondage, right? When Joshua was born, they were in bondage. Same period of time. And he experienced slavery. He knew what it was to be in slavery in Egypt. And he was there in slavery for about 30 years. That's a fairly good period of time, isn't it? 30 years. What's life going to be like in 30 years from now in your life? That kind of puts it in perspective for me, at least. But when he died, the Israelites were enjoying peace and prosperity in the promised land. A land that they didn't build, a land that they didn't plant. Can you imagine going into a place and it's completely developed? The homes are all furnished, not only built, but furnished. The crops are all there, ready for harvest, that they didn't do. God gave it to them. Completely furnished. You know, when we rent a home, or sometimes even when we buy a home here in Panama, it comes furnished, right? <laughs> well, God gave it to them completely furnished. And uh, Israel had come to the place of appreciating, I think, what God had done for them, how God had blessed them. Joshua's name means the Lord brings salvation. If you're looking for the secret of being a good leader, a great leader, don't look to Joshua. Look to the Lord. And His power, His word, His faithfulness that made Joshua a great leader. And Joshua understood that. If making money, having fun, being popular are among your top goals, and you believe that's what success is all about, that's probably 
not what God's going to bless. But if you really want to serve the Lord and you want to see His blessings in your life, do the same things that Joshua did. Now, what did he do? Well, one of the things that we see in Joshua's life is that he was a man of humility. He was humble. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that before he became the leader of Israel, he was an apprentice to Moses. Now, we don't see that as being a position of second command. In fact, probably Aaron was the one that we would consider second in command to Moses. Joshua was simply a helper. He was an apprentice. He followed Moses. He did what Moses told him to do. And as Moses went about doing the things he did, we don't find a time at all when Joshua questioned his leadership. Now, there may have been things that Moses did that I would have, I would have said, Moses, why are you doing that? Well, Joshua wasn't like that. He just followed. He just did what he was told and went about the wilderness journey. Now remember the 40 years he was in training with Moses. He was a good follower. We find that Joshua in his leadership position after they came into the land of Israel continued to be humble. Joshua 3, verse 7, and chapter 4, verse 14, two verses, it says, The Lord exalted Joshua. The Lord exalted him. You see, as, as God did His thing, as God went about doing the things that were needed for Israel to occupy that land, they saw Joshua in that leadership position. They saw him as God's appointed. And they followed him without question. There's not a time as Joshua took over leadership that we find the people rebelling as they did under Moses' leadership. How many times had the Israelites said, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? Right? Take us back to Egypt. Wasn't it better back there than it is out here? But not after Joshua took command do we see the Israelites rebelling like they did under Moses. Now, it's a different generation. I'll, I'll give you that. It's a different people. They, they had seen a lot. They had seen God's provisions all during their lifetime in the wilderness. Now a lot of these individuals who were in leadership position under Joshua had been 20 years old or, or just under 20, they were 19 probably, at the time Joshua and Caleb and the 10 had gone in to spy out the land. And so all during that wilderness time these individuals were growing up, maturing, and seeing their parents rebelling, 
But also seeing God's provision, seeing what God was doing. And then as they came into the land of Israel, they saw mighty works of God that He was doing as Joshua was the leader. And they followed the Lord as they followed Joshua. And as they were taking the land, Joshua was humble before God. In Joshua 5, verse 13, it says, Joshua bowed with his face to the ground. And then it goes on to tell us how he talked with the Lord and how the Lord was going to use him to do the work that was needed. Great leaders are not individuals that bring praise on themselves and look at, say, look how great I am. Look what all I've done. They're individuals that humbly follow God's leadership. And then Joshua was a man of faith and trust. It's demonstrated when he was sent to spy out the land. And he came back with a good report with Caleb. Peer pressure didn't cause him to change his mind about what he knew God could do, right? Yes, there were giants in the land. Yes, there were fortified cities. Yes, the enemy was powerful, was strong. But God was greater. Isn't that what Joshua was saying? When he and Caleb were telling the people, we can, we can go take it, let's go. God has given it to us. He was saying that God was greater than all these enemies in the promised land. Faith. Trust in God. He demonstrated that at the fall of Jericho. I mentioned a moment ago about marching around the city. Something that sounds so silly to somebody that wants to go in and powerfully take a land. But something that was necessary in order for, the, for God to give them the land. They had to obey Him. They had to have faith in Him. They had to trust in God. And as they did... God rewarded them. He was a man of God's word. His success was directly related to his adherence to the word of God. To ensure success, he fulfilled the law. He did what God asked them to do. He followed the Lord's commands. Joshua 1.7 tells us that. And he meditated upon the law of the Lord day and night. Joshua 1.8 tells us. The word of God was important to him. How important is the word of God to you? Well, it's important enough for you to Come to God's house to hear a message from the Word of God. That's, I'll give you that. But do you read it daily? 
Is it a part of your everyday activity? Is it something that you really rely upon, that you let God speak to you every day through His Word? He wants to. The Word of God needs to be something that's important to us. And then we see Joshua being true to the Word of God in all the conquest of the promised land. As they came to renewing the covenant at Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. We didn't talk about that. We didn't have that as one of the messages, but that was an important time in Israel as well. They renewed the covenant of God. They read the law. They read what God requires. A summary of Joshua's devotion is found in chapter 11, verse 15. And it says, As the Lord had commanded His servant Moses, Moses commanded Joshua, and that is what Joshua did, leaving nothing undone. See how important it shows that Moses was in the life of Joshua? Now this is in, in chapter 11 of Joshua. Not at the very beginning, but as his servant Moses had commanded Joshua, that is what Joshua did, leaving nothing undone. Faith comes from the Word of God, doesn't it? Romans chapter 10, verse 17, reading in the New King James Version, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Some of you have memorized that verse, I'm sure I have. Joshua 1.3, I'm sorry, 1.8. It says, This book of instructions must not depart from your mouth. This book of instructions must not depart from your mouth. You see, they were to know the Word of God. They were to understand what God had said. And they were to follow that in their lives. He was a man of prayer. We see him praying as Israel failed at Ai. Remember that? Joshua and the elders all went to the Lord and, and cried out to him. Well, they might. They wanted to know what was wrong. And, and they had failed to ask the Lord prior to then, what do we need to do at Ai? And so part of the failure wasn't just the sin of the camp, Part of the failure was they didn't consult God. They didn't ask God. They didn't pray. We see him praying in the midst of warfare. Joshua chapter 10. We could go on and on talking about his prayer life. But prayer is so important for a leader, isn't it? And it's important for a follower as well. It's important for us to pray. He was a man who put God first. I think... All we have to do is, is look at the Word of God here and see that He put God first in His life. All the qualities 
that Joshua had that we've talked about here this morning were because he was putting God first in his life. I want to talk for just a moment. I know we're running out of time. I did that in our early service too, didn't I? But I want to talk about his farewell address. Joshua 24, verse 15 in particular. We'll look at 14 and and, uh, 18, but if you're still there, turn with me to that. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship. The gods of your fathers, that your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River, or on the or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're dwelling. As far as me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. Joshua's death was approaching. He knew he didn't have long left. It doesn't tell us right here how old he was, but uh, he knew that his life was about over. And verse 14, he says, Fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and in truth, and get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped. As he was leaving, He knew it was important for him to instruct the Israelites to do the right things. And so these were the things that were important. As he spoke on behalf of the Lord, he used I, speaking of God, 17 times in the previous 11 verses as he spoke his farewell address to them. Now, there seems to be a twist of irony in Joseph's, uh, in uh, Joshua's words. Even though the people adamantly maintain that we, will, we too will worship the Lord because He is our God, verse 18, he knew that they were probably not going to follow God as they had done in the past. He could see the apostasy coming. And so he's asking them to look at the other gods, the gods of the Amorites, the gods that were on the other side of the Euphrates River, those in Egypt. Think about those gods. All those gods were just man-made. More than likely, they had been whittled out of a stick or a log or something of that nature and maybe covered in gold, but they were just inanimate objects. Not something that could deliver the land of promise into their hands. And he was admonishing them to think about how much greater God is than all the gods of all the lands as they were worshiping these false gods. Joshua's point is still applicable to us today. Man must worship. Did you know everybody worships? They do. I'm not saying everybody worships God. They don't. Sometimes, many today have as their God human reasoning. Or science. 
or humanism or, you know, we could go on and on and on naming, naming different things that people are bowing down to, people are putting in prominence in their lives and they're worshiping these things. Most people today, we don't find falling down, some do, but, but not a lot before a false god as we saw in that day and time. But they're not following the Lord. And people are following their God, whatever God they've made in their lives. But Joshua says, as far as me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. I hope that's your promise today before your family and the God. This concludes Bocchetti Panama HBC Weekly Podcast. Hillside Baptist Chapel is located just north of Bajo Bocchetti. Just take Avenue Central towards Los Naranjos. Please call 6438-6541 for questions and our general directions. Thank you for listening. God bless.